1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 48 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by Ayas Sumra. Ayas, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Now, again, it's a bit of a dead period of boxing. The month of August is the month where not much boxing traditionally takes place. But there has been a couple of fights. But, again, it's just another show where there's not going to be too much talking. It's mainly going to be the interviews taking up most of the time on this week's show again. And, again, we've also got another world champion for you that we'll be speaking to at the end of... Well, just before part one ends, of course. So we're going to jump straight into part one. Part one is now beginning with the review part of the show. We're going to review a fight that took place over in USA. There's two cards to mention, and that is really it. And then in the preview part of the show, we've only got one fight to mention. So we're going to start with card number one over at the Honda Center in California, USA. Top of the bill, Robert the Ghost Guerrero, former world champion, of course. He fought David Emmanuel Peralta. A lot of people didn't really know too much about him. He had a record of 25 wins, 2 losses and 1 draw going into this fight. Robert Guerrero, of course, 33 wins, 4 losses and 1 draw. Peralta was also cut in round 5. He was cut on his eye. As I said, a lot of people didn't really know too much about Peralta. Robert Guerrero, a lot of people think he's over the hill, including me. And he went in there and he lost a split decision Um, after 12 rounds. So, uh, you know, I think it's really time for him to hang up the gloves now. I think I've been saying it for his last couple of fights. You know, he's always in interesting, not interesting, but he's always in wars when really I don't think they... You know, these opponents would have been able to hang with him at all a couple of years back or three or four years back. And um, he's really in there now just taking punishment and he's kind of destroying any legacy that he did have. So I'd really like to see Robert Guerrero retire now. And I think he's been a good servant for the sport. He's, you know, he's done a lot of things in boxing. He's achieved his childhood dreams. But I think it's the time, you know, it's time he called it a day now. So I'd like to see Robert Guerrero really hang him up. But yeah, that's it for that one. Also on that card, Alfredo Angulo he took on Freddy Hernandez. Now Angulo he's been in a lot of tough fights, so is Freddie Hernandez. It was a good fight. I did say it was going to be the best fight of the night, and I think to be honest, I was proved right. Um, Alfredo Angulo actually lost this fight unanimously after ten rounds, and Hernandez was cut in the uh, in round five as well. So two two cuts on the eyes in this on this card. It's quite remarkable. Both guys were cut Uh, there was two fights so the main event and the chief support both opponents were cut the right eye in the Guerrero fight that was Peralta being cut and the left eye in the Angulo fight and it was Freddy Hernandez being cut both in the same round um it's not that interesting actually as I, as i say it back but yeah freddy hernandez managed to to grind out a win here it's a good fight and and gulo another man who to be honest you know it was his 30th fight and i think he's He's never really going to... I think his best days are kind of behind him as well. He's been match tough, though, you've got to say. So, also on that bill, Terrell Gauchet, he cruised to 19-0. and 0. I say cruised. It was a majority decision win after 10 rounds over Stephen Martinez. But it was a good fight. And Gauchet, of course, a, a former Olympian, he moves on to bigger and better things. But that's really it for the California bill. We're now going to go over to the Washington bill. Again, it's someone that probably wouldn't have got a mention if he didn't take a shellacking from Danny Garcia. See our top of the bill, Rod Salker, 22-4 going into his fight. He's now 23-4. He picked up a unanimous decision win after eight rounds over Justin Savvy. Not too savvy on the night. And also a man that we've been mentioning for quite a while now. A young prospect, Devin Haney, a lightweight young prospect. He cruised to 9-0 with a unanimous decision win after six rounds over Carlos Castillo. But that's really it for the review part of the show. We're now going to talk about the funny name fighter of this week and, of course, of last week. The funny name fighter of last week was a guy by the name of Happy Dude. His fight was scheduled and it seems like it hasn't taken place. It's happened a few times now with these funny name fighters and to be honest I don't know if we might have to do away with this segment of the show. It's um it's a bit annoying cuz I know that people were looking forward to that and uh, people want to know the results but again this result it hasn't actually been updated yet so it might change. His fight was supposed to take place on the Sunday but it hasn't been updated so hopefully that gets updated soon and we'll be able to tell you what happened but again, Again, very sorry about that. Um, the funny name fighter of next week's show is—I went through the names. It's not too many. I mean, we're going to have to go with a guy who's fighting over in um, Quebec, Canada. A man called Golden Garcia, and um, you know, he's—I'm he's, not sure what's golden about him, but he's six and zero, so he's been pretty shiny so far. And he takes on Jesus Perez, who has a record of seven wins, seven losses, and one draw. So I'm hoping that Golden Garcia can get the business done. Again, it's not a really funny name. It's just a bit of, a, a bit of an odd one, a bit of one that stands out. Here. And that is really the best we could do for this week's uh, funny name. So I'm very, very sorry about that. Uh, that's it for the funny name fighter. That's it for the review part of the show. Ayers, I believe that there's no news on this week's show. There's not really anything that's happened over the last week or so. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, well, he'll be back next week with some, hopefully, some exciting news. But that's really it for part one. We're now going to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF light middleweight champion of the world, Carlos Molina. Carlos, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Now, Carlos, my first question for you, a typical opener, what got you into boxing? What was the reason you first put on a pair of gloves?
0: Um, just, I guess at the time I wasn't really doing anything and, um, uh, it kind of helped me, boxing helped me, you know, stay off the streets and, uh, cause I started my first fight, at amateur fight at 18 years old and, uh, I was kind of bouncing around. I, you know, dropped out of school and, uh, wasn't really doing anything and I just started watching boxing and that's why I feel like I became a fan first because I was, I was watching boxing at 18 and I was like, man, I was loving it. And then I used to watch boxing every time it was on. You know, if it was Monday, I'd watch it. Monday, Friday, Saturday, and, uh, and then from there, I just wanted to try it myself.
1: Who would you say, um, you know, inspired you? Who did you used to watch most? Who did you want to be like when you when you decided to make that decision?
0: Well, at the time, I guess it was uh, there was Oscar De La Hoya, there was uh, Barrera Morales. Now, there was a lot of fighters here and there. But then once I started going to the gym, my trainer, uh, got me watching some Salvador Sanchez videos, and then I, I really liked that. And then I, I, I really liked, the uh, the way Salvador Sanchez, uh,
1: okay. performed. So, so, some good fighters there. Now, of course, you turned pro in October 2003. I'm going to jump to December of 2005. Now, you take on Julio Cesar Chavez in your 10th professional fight. He was 23-0 and 0 at the time. You were 8-1. and 1. It was a six-rounder that was scored a draw. A very controversial decision. Just how controversial was that decision looking back now, 10 years later? Well, I thought I won the fight easily. I mean, by a
0: decision. But uh, and the fans did too. It was kind of it was kind of like a big deal there because it was in Monterrey, Mexico. You know that was like his hometown, even though he wasn't from Monterrey. It was you know the, all the country was behind him. But after seeing that he lost against me and they gave it a draw, everybody was booing him and throwing, you know, throwing beers and cups and you know, it was a big deal like that. So I mean, the fans
1: let me know right away who who they thought won the fight. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, you fought him in an immediate rematch. One judge had it a draw, whilst the other two judges gave it four rounds to two in favor of Chavez. But, yet again, another close fight. Did you think that, that was a more um, defined result? Do you, think that, do you think he won that fight?
0: I, I guess, you know. I guess he did. I mean, you just got to accept it, you know, sometimes. I mean, at worst, it could have been a draw, but, I mean, why are you calling for a draw for? So, I mean, if I didn't win, then I didn't win. So I didn't feel like I won the fight. The thing about that was uh, it was a close fight. But, you know, at the time, one of the things that people didn't know was that when I fought Chavez the first time in Mexico, coming back in the United States, that's when I had a problem with the, with immigration. So I wasn't allowed back in the United States. So I actually got deported in December, right before Christmas time, On the after the first Chavez Jr. fight, trying to come home from the Chavez Unified to my family. And I ended up spending that, like, 35 days in a, in a detention center, the migration detention center. And then after that, you know, they deported me to Mexico, and I had to train at a, not my gym, just, just train anywhere I can. And then I only had, like, 30 days to fight the rematch with Chavez Jr. in Las Vegas. Wow. So, I mean, you know, there was a few things there that, that wasn't, that wasn't right, you know, mentally for me at the time. And, uh, you know, I'm not using that as an excuse because of the fight or how you lost it. But either way, I feel like if you were back in your in your own gym, back in your own uh, friendly surroundings without all their problems, you know,
1: you, you would fight a certain way. Yeah, it gives you that extra mental boost that you need in, in yeah. a tough fight. Um, yeah. You know, no, it's interesting to hear that. I mean, this was... you've had it very unfair. We're going to get on to the rest of your career, of course, but as I, as I talk more about it, there's been so many decisions that you've been on the wrong end of, you know, and this was just um, another unlucky situation for you I guess, with all that surrounding the fight um, I'm going to move on from that 10 months later, you're back out again, this time against an undefeated fighter 10-0, uh, you lose this fight unanimously, this was against Willingham only 2 months after that you're back in there again with yet another undefeated fighter, this time a young, fresh undefeated 15-0, Mike Alvarado, you lose this fight via majority decision one judge scoring it a draw the other two judges favoring Alvarado by five rounds to three so still very close but you've got to give yourself credit for taking four fights in a row now um against undefeated fighters twice against Chavez obviously the Willingham fight and the Alvarado fight I'm not in the business of pointing the finger around but I mean bad matchmaking jumps out of me here you barely had an amateur career why were you matched so hard because at this point in your career you're still a novice well, what happened was, I mean, I,
0: I first of all, I didn't have any uh, promoter. I didn't have any manager. I didn't have anything. So after that deportation, like I was, I was talking about, and I came back to fight Chavez Jr. for the second fight, you know, I guess I didn't have no, ma- no, no manager, no promoter, so I didn't have, like, a direction, and nobody was trying to help me. There was no promoter that was trying to give me, you know, uh, not a winnable, easy fight, but just a, a fight that you're you know f- to build you up a little bit so that's all that was that's all the fights that were always being offered so it's either take him or not take him and just sit sit and just sit so i decided to take him and uh, i gained some good experience out of it so i mean it happens for a reason and uh i get i gained some good experience from fighting those uh those four tough
1: fights uh back to back yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of balls, I've got to say so. Now, after the Alvarado fight, you string together nine wins, including one over former world title challenger, Danny Perez. Tell us about that fight, please, Carlos.
0: Yeah, after after, after losing all those fights, I felt like I lost those fights by close decision, and I wanted to uh, change up. I was like, you know, what? I'm not going to lose any more of these fights. So I decided to concentrate on not losing any rounds, and that's, that's where everything changed for me. And then I started winning all these fights, and... Actually, the Danny Perez fight, they called me in six-day notice wow. for uh, for a 12-round NABO title fight. And um, it, was, it wasn't it was even at my weight class. That's that's where I got stuck fighting at 154, the late middleweight division. Because most of my career, I was at 147.
1: Yeah, and, that's right.
0: And when they called me in six-day notice, I was like, all right, 154, I don't have to struggle to make weight. I'm in the gym all the time. I'll take it. And then I took it. I won it. And then they ranked me at 154. So the fact that they
1: offered me was at 154. So that's pretty much how I just stood there. <laughs> it's interesting to hear that. Because I was looking at your record and I thought, what happened? You Because know, I know that... We're going to get onto uh, you know these days currently that we're on. I know that you had a fight a couple of days ago. We're going to get onto that a bit later, but you're you're back at well you're even you're, you're two weight classes down um, from what you was when you were sort of at the I'm going to say in inverted commas peak of the career. You know when 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 you were a when you were a world champ. So it's um it is very interesting. I wondered why you were up at 154 if you were still able to make these lower weights, but we'll get onto that. Um, you was out of the ring after that fight for a year and a half regarding. In promotional issues with Don King. A lot of people even still aren't too sure what happened there. Are you able to shed any light on that at all? Well, pretty much he uh,
0: he he got me to sign a contract. He was going to f- give me the fight against Corey Spinks. Yeah. Well, Corey Spinks was the champ at the time. And I I said, all right, sounds good. So uh, I signed the contract. And next thing you know, I guess it wasn't Don King's fault. I guess Corey Spinks wasn't ready to fight me. And he took off. And then Corey Spinks ended up having to fight the mandatory, which was, I think, canine at the time. So they just skipped me, and then I ended up sitting for, like, a month and—I mean, a year and a half. And then uh, that's all I could have done, and then we finally got some help and got out of the contract and moved down with my career.
1: Yeah. Now, as I said, you know, it was a 19-month layoff after everything, but you jump right back in there with yet another undefeated fighter, 15-0 and by the name of, wait for it, Erislandi Lara, a top, top fighter. Now, this fight ends in another controversial decision for you. Carlos, talk to us. What's going on here? This is another fight you surely won. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was out so long, but I was in the gym all the time. So I, I, I came in with confidence into that fight, and... Uh, I knew that I wanted to come back in like with a bang, you know, I wanted to win this fight and get ranked right away. I wanna waste time because I knew that, you know, time was time was passing. But uh you know, I, another one, Laura, I felt like I I beat him. I outboxed I outboxed the boxer at his own game and I and I beat him in
1: by decision but they gave it a draw. Yeah, I mean, on one of the judges' scorecards, you were ahead. And on the other two judges' scorecards, they had it a draw. So the fight ended in a majority draw. I'd like to point out that um, one of the judges that night was the infamous CJ Ross. That's that's (laughs) the judge who, of course, gave um, Mayweather against Canelo a draw. Uh, That's just something to think about. Again, I'm not pointing the finger at no one, but she had it a draw. So uh, that says it all, really. We'll leave that there. Only one month later, you're back out again. You knock your opponent out in the seventh round. Uh, three months later, we're now in July of 2011. You take on former world champion Kermit Cintron, live on Showtime in the US. It's considered an upset when you beat him wide via unanimous decision after 10 rounds. Was that the best performance of, you, of your career at that point, do you think? Mm, I don't think so.
0: I feel, I think, uh, I just did to him what I was doing to the last uh, 10, 12 guys that I was fighting. I feel like I was just, I was in a row. I felt like nobody could stop me at that time. And uh, I didn't care if he was Chris Sean former world champion or who it was. I was just in a row doing my thing in the gym and doing my thing in the fights. And I feel like nothing could have stopped me at that time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now your next fight is another big one. This time against James Kirkland. Kirkland going into this fight with a record of thirty wins and just one loss. I'm going to let you explain what happened here because this was one of the most shocking ends to a fight I can remember. You were DQ'd in the, you know, in the tenth round because you called him and entered the ring apparently during the fight. It was all a bit mad. I mean, the bell went. There, there was a knock. I'll let you explain it. It was absolutely bizarre.
0: Yeah, I was winning the fight. Hands down. In the 10th round, they, he actually catches me. He catches me with a shot. I kind of get tangled up in the ropes, and I went down, which is, which is all right. I, I agree. It's a, it's a knockdown because, uh, you know, he punched me, whether I lost my balance or whatever. But I wasn't hurt. I got up right away. And uh, the, the bell to end the round, uh, they, it rang. So my one of my team members was jumping in the ring. But then that's what the ref pulled him back out, told him to get out, and he actually went out of the ring. And then, you see, this is the thing. Because he started, the ref started talking, like, to the commission and everybody else, and and then he made up his mind and disqualified me. But, like, he should have just kept the fight going. I mean, the round was already over. with.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was... I'm urging anybody that's listening to this to this podcast this week that you need to go and on, go, go onto YouTube and check this out because this was absolutely incredible. I mean, I've never seen nothing like it. It was, uh, it was, it was. I, w- I rewatched it last night just to refresh my memory, and it was just, it was just bizarre. I mean, um, to be fair, I mean, James Kirkland wasn't really celebrating so much. I think he kind of knew he was losing that fight. I think some of the people from his corner even told you that you were winning the fight at the time of the. Of the incorrect decision, really, from the referee there. But again, yeah, it's bad. It's, it's trainer bad. And was there? Yeah, it's bad officiating once again. You seem to just be riddled with this. You know, it keeps following you everywhere you go, Carlos.
0: Yeah, it's true. But I feel like they were trying to take that from me. You know, like the, somebody was trying to take that away from me because they knew that they were losing on
1: points, so they were just looking for a way out, and that was their way out, and they took advantage of it. Yeah. Now, despite gaining an L on your resume, you move forward. You get another unanimous decision win under your belt. Then you step in the ring against Corey Spinks, finally. The former two-weight world champion. You outpoint him massively over 12 rounds, especially with the knockdown in the 11th. Tell us about that fight, because that was a brilliant, brilliant fight to watch.
0: Yeah, that was actually my uh, first uh, main event in my own hometown in Chicago. So that was pretty nice to have... a. Uh... All the friends and family there, and it was a title eliminator, so it was it was a it was a good one to uh, have at hometown in, in Chicago. But uh, I felt good, I felt sharp. Uh, he's a southpaw, but I never I don't have problems with southpaws because I fought you know many in my career, and I had some good uh, sparring partners from Chicago that are southpaws. So I was just uh, you know you know picking them apart, and uh, I felt like I didn't have any problems with them.
1: Yeah, and that was a really good win. Now that win catapulted you into a fight against the new IBF light middleweight world champion Ishae Smith. Uh, it was also on the undercard of Mayweather versus Canelo. Uh, you, of course, captured the IBF light middleweight title via a split decision that that night. At this moment, Carlos, how good did it feel? Because as we as we mentioned there, you've you know you've beat but not got the decision against a couple of fighters who have gone on to big, big, big things now. And really, you should have kind of been a champion before this. These wins would have got you into the bigger fights. And you, you know, you just had real bad luck. But finally, you're here. You're where you're supposed to be after all this time.
0: It felt great. It felt, it felt the best feeling. The best feeling in my boxing uh, my
1: boxing career it was just like, uh,
0: that was my goal. Like I, no, no matter how many bad decisions, no matter how many fights didn't go my way, I wasn't gonna quit till, till that happened, and uh, and I kept telling myself that, and to finally experience it, you know, I'm on one on the biggest show at in that time, you know, the biggest show, Las Vegas MGM Grand pay-per-view, you know, it was uh it was it was sweet, it was sweet, and I had my family with me there, and and uh, it was just priceless.
1: Yeah, on top of everything else, it was uh, it was well-deserved. It was really well-deserved. Now, you were set to defend your title against Jamal Charlo. We don't have to go into the details of why the fight never took place, but looking back in hindsight, would you have preferred to defend the title against Charlo or the guy you eventually defended against in Bundridge?
0: Um, I guess Charlo. I mean, I was already ready. I was I was ready there in Las Vegas the week of the fight. You know, we had a good preparation. You know, I was mentally i physically focused on the Charlos, on, the, on one of the Charlos, I, I guess both, whatever, but at the time, he won. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're we're going into the fight and, you know, the unexpected happened and the fight didn't happen, but, uh, you know, it just, I, I don't like to think about the past of just it is what it is and uh, it didn't happen.
1: Now, your next fight, you're in the ring against former holder of the belt, the man who lost to... Uh, Ishae Smith, as we mentioned there, Bundridge. Now, Bundridge puts in a really good effort and wins this fight. You lose the title at this point. How hard is it to go back and want to come back stronger? Did it take anything out of you? Remember, as I said, you know, it took a while to get to to that point after all the bad decisions. You finally got there. It didn't last as long as you would have liked it to. How hard is this to, to go back and come again stronger, you know? Well, you know, not just that, not just losing the fight. I feel like just being deported
0: to Mexico, after living all my life in the United States, and uh, that took a big hit on me mentally. Like, like after the fight, alright, fine, you lost the fight, it sucks. You know, nobody wants to lose a fight. But then you don't get to go home. You know, that's like, that's even worse than losing the fight. You know, it's like, to me, that's worse. You know, I have my family, my friends, everything that I know, my life is in Chicago, Wisconsin, and uh, here I am, not able to do that. So that that kind of took me it's toll on me, you know, like having to go to the gym and work out and train in
1: a different scenario and not be around my surroundings. And it took me a while to adjust to that. Just to clarify, when when, when were you deported from the United States? Right at the Charlo fight. Ah, uh, right, about right. Ah, uh, right. So that's the reason why the Bundridge fight took place in Mexico, I take it? Yes. Ah, right. I got you. I got you. Okay. Now it now it all makes sense. Okay. So, um, on to more positive things now. You've bounced back from that loss by winning five fights in a row now. Four of them in this year alone. You've been really busy this year. I know that you fought on the 20th of August. How did that go for you? I know that you're, you're down at 140, which again is quite bizarre. You're down two weight classes. You were at 140 for that fight. How did that fight go? Obviously, I haven't seen any footage of it.
0: It was a unanimous decision. I won... Uh... Every round, the judges gave me every round. I felt like uh, just working him, you know, the body, the head, I felt like there was a point where he knew that he wasn't, like he wasn't trying to win anymore. He was just trying to um, survive. And for some reason, they changed it. It was was supposed to be a 10-round fight, and they changed it to an eight-round fight. So I had two less rounds to to, uh, work, but uh, either way, I got the unanimous decision
1: probably done your opponent a favor as well to be honest rather than another six months yeah, of getting to. beaten up I guess um so I've got to ask you where 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 will you be campaigning at? obviously um I'd imagine you're going to try and take another run up to some sort of um big fight which division will you be campaigning at now I want 147 because
0: that's where uh that's a lot of that's where all the fighters are right now I feel like I feel like 147 is the deepest right now I mean, out yeah. of the weight classes that I could make, I mean, I could wait. I could make one fifty four, one forty seven, and you know, even one forty. But I don't really want to do one forty. I feel like it's too low for me right now.
1: Yeah.
0: I feel like I want to do one forty seven, welterweight division. You know, look at the top ten. There's, there's a lot of a, uh, uh, great opportunities for me there. And I feel like I gotta beat one of these guys in the top ten to, uh, you know, to get out there and uh, get a world title fight.
1: And have you got have you got your eye on anyone in the one four seven division? Obviously, there's a lot, a lot of guys. As you said, it's absolutely thriving. The top ten is just a hotbed of talent, to be honest. Yeah,
0: it is. And uh, well, Daniger, Garcia is uh, the WBC champ, and the WBC has me ranked right now at number nine. So that's a uh, that's a fight. Hopefully, in the future, that, uh, that I that I could get.
1: I'd love to see that fight. That would be brilliant. That really would be brilliant. Um, I've got to ask you if you could go back if you could go back to some of the early fights or perhaps perhaps not so long ago if you were to have one rematch in your career any, any decision that you could rematch and, and perhaps try and try and win which fight would it be?
0: I think it, I think it has to be the the Lara fight Erisani Lara he's a world champ right now and he's uh, calling everybody out and he's saying that nobody wants to fight him and uh He's always saying that he's been robbed, and I feel like I got robbed against him. And I and I know that I could beat him again. And uh, hopefully, we could do this one for twelve rounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if only that was the case in in the first in the first place, um, we probably wouldn't be here even talking about that one. Um, I've got to ask you this. I know that you say you don't you don't like to um, you don't really like to to look back and and look on you know focus on the negative results but those those bad decisions that went against you do you ever sort of sit here and think if you were to have got if you were to have got the nod over um Chavez like you should have if you were to get the nod over Lara like you should have where would you have been because I mean your life would have been completely different if you'd have got those wins I believe do you ever does that ever get you down at all
0: no no never I I just I feel like I don't I feel like nothing can get me down I feel like I've been through a lot of things uh in my life, in my boxing, that I don't feel anything to get me down because I, I don't allow it to. Like, uh, I feel like it happens for a reason. And actually those fights, those decisions and everything made me, I feel it made me a tougher tougher fighter, tougher person, just in general all around. So I mean, I, I feel like it happened for a reason. And uh, I feel like I learned from my mistakes and I learned from, I guess, other people's mistakes. <laughs> The rev. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it made me who I am, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. I guess any, any, any other way.
1: Okay, that's that's a good positive thing to take from that. That's, it's good to hear you say that, at least. Um, you know, taking the negatives out of it and turning it into a positive. Now, I've got to ask you, Carlos, while you're here, there's a couple of questions I want to ask regarding a couple of other things. It's, it's only a couple of questions I've got left for you now. Um, a couple of sort of quick-fire questions, a little bit more fun, a little bit less serious. Who's your best fighter to watch right now? Who do you watch? Who do you enjoy watching the most right now in, in the world of boxing?
0: Right now I like uh, I like Andrew Ward. I like the I like the skill. I like the defense. I like how he picks his opponents apart.
1: Yeah, I mean everybody who knows the game, they, they love to watch him. He's a, he's a class class fighter. Probably the pe- the best pound for pound right now with the absence of Mayweather.
0: I'd I think. have to say. Yeah. I think for so people I don't know, people they just like to see the knockups and everything, but I like the I like the boxing part of it. But uh either way.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I wanted to get your opinion on a fight that's coming up um, in the 154 division. Canelo's kind of gone down from 155 to 154. Now he's taking on um, England's very own Liam Smith. How do you see that fight playing out?
0: I mean, I never, I didn't see too much of Liam Smith yet, but I feel, uh, I feel Canelo should have his, should have his way with him.
1: Yeah yeah I mean I've even even though I really hope that they, that doesn't happen everybody's kind of got that that feeling over here to be honest uh, there's no getting away from how great Canelo really is. Um I want to ask you over your career you know you've um I'd imagine you've sparred with a lot of top guys who would you say is the best fighter you've sparred with?
0: I guess I never really went to too many camps like that but um there's a lot of young guys in Chicago that I sparred with I guess um I don't know I guess not like a any champion fighters, I guess. But uh, I guess I sparred with Kermit Sintron before I fought him, like, years ago, when he was in his prime.
1: Okay. Did you take I anything started... out of that, out of the spar to the fight when you beat him?
0: Yeah, I actually did. Because when I went to spar with Kermit Sintron he, he was a champion at the time, the, FB, the IBF champion. I was talking about, like, 10 years ago, maybe. And uh, he uh, I was sparring with him. And I got the best out of him the first time that I sparred with him. And then the second time, I did the same thing. And then they just didn't let me spar with him for the rest of the training camp.
1: <laughs>
0: but you know, I I didn't mind it because I was getting paid for you know, I was getting paid just to be there. So I was like, all right, then I'll go and I'll just train. And if they don't want to use me, then they don't want to use me.
1: <laughs> and then they got they they did the worst thing by uh, by by taking the fight with you in the end.
0: Yeah, he thought it was maybe just because the sparring sessions, you know, because sparring and fighting are two different things. But... Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Of course. But um, you did it You did it in, in inspiring and in, and in the real fight. So uh, credit to yourself for that. Um, and the last thing I've got to ask you now. The last thing I've got to ask is to everybody that we speak to from overseas. Um, uh, you know, we ask this to huh. everybody that we speak to. Your favorite UK fighter. A lot of guys over here like to hear the answer to that one. Who's your favorite UK fighter, past or present, from all time? Oh, man. That, this guy's B.Lance Lewis. Yeah, that's a very popular answer. Lennox Lewis. (laughs) Um, Any particular reason why?
0: I mean, he was uh, one of the best heavyweights that I seen, and uh, I just like his boxing skills and and his uh, his focus.
1: Yeah, a real class fighter, and uh, yeah, especially when he was in shape. When he was in shape, he was hard to beat. Yeah, for sure. Only two losses, and uh, both losses avenged. So uh, he retired that way. So. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, by spectacular knockouts at that. Okay, excellent. Now, just before I let you go, Carlos, I want to give you an opportunity to send out a message to any of your UK following. Believe it or not, there's a lot of guys over here who are fans of yourself. If you've got a message for those guys, please, um, you know, please give it. We're listening. Oh,
0: that's nice. That's nice to hear that I got fans over there too. And well, I got messages. I hope I could get a, you know, get a fight down there. I would love that. I would love to get a fight in the in the UK and. uh, you know, experience that because I always see those fights in the UK, and you know they they be, they be going out. You know they <laughs> they know how to they know how to throw a show down there, and uh, the fans are real diehard boxing fans. And I would love to uh, you know fight in front of a UK crowd.
1: Yeah, I mean it would be brilliant to have you over here. Also, Carlos, are you on any type of social media at all, so that anybody can follow your progress?
0: Yes, I'm uh, on Facebook as uh, King Carlos.
1: Okay, do you want anything else? Twitter?
0: Yeah, Twitter. King Carlos MX.
1: Okay, I'll look out for that because I didn't, I wasn't aware that you had Twitter. But everybody that's listening, please give Carlos a follow and uh, pay attention because he's serious. He's, he's going to get back into the mix. And, and believe me, if he gets that Danny Garcia fight, that would be a real barn burner. Now, listen, Carlos, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you on this week's show. I wish you all the best for the future and no doubt we'll speak again soon. Oh thank you for having me on the show it's been a, it's been a pleasure Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is called the preview part. There's two fights to mention. I said there was one earlier, but there's actually two fights to mention. There's a fight taking place over in Philippines for the IBF World Super Flyweight title. McJoe Arroyo, of course, the champion, 17-0. and 0. He takes on Jerwin cajas who has a record of 24 wins, one loss, and one draw. This would be a good fight. I don't really... Um, I'm not going to say that I pay attention too much to the super flyweight division, but I know it's going to be a good fight. I know that both fighters are good fighters, and uh, that's certainly one to look out for, but that's it for the Philippines. We're now going to go over to the UK, to Doncaster. He's been on our show before. He's a nice guy, but he came up short against Dillian White just recently. Dave Allen, he's on this build. Dave the White Rhino Allen, 9 and 1 with the 1 draw. Of course, that 1 loss coming to Dilian White. He's only in a six rounder. He takes on an opponent called Nuruddin Medun. Again, it's someone that I don't really know too much about with a record of four wins and three losses. I think Dave Allen himself will probably say it's just um, it's just a keep busy fight. It's just a journeyman, to be honest, and he really should get the job done. But that's really it for the preview part of the show. It's been a really, really, really short uh, talking show. It's mainly been um, the boxers doing most of the talking, which I think you guys probably prefer that anyway. But that's That's really it for all the previewing. That's really it for all the talking. There's one last thing to do before we end the show, and that, of course, is to welcome our second guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current IBF Bantamweight champion of the world. It's, of course, Mr. Lee Haskins. Lee, it's great to have you back on. Yeah, thank you for having me back on. (laughs) always my pleasure my friend always my pleasure now the first question Lee you're fighting Stewie Hall in what's going to be the second defense of your IBF world bantamweight title we're 10 days away from fight night now how has preparation been and how are you feeling ahead of this all British world title clash
2: yeah yeah preparation's been very well um I couldn't do any more so you know I'm ready and I'm looking forward to it and uh, like you said only 10 days and we're gonna rock and roll
1: I've also got to ask you: You were supposed to fight on a huge card, the Canelo card, in the past, which never ended up happening. Yeah. Now you're fighting on no. a big pay-per-view bill here. How excited yeah. are
2: you? Yeah, I'm majorly excited. Yeah. this is what boxing is all about: is fighting on kind of shows like this. You know, you want to be on massive shows, and Triple G and Cal you don't get much bigger than that. So, um, yeah, one night to be on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I should also point out this isn't the first time you fought on Golovkin's undercard as well. Yeah, second time actually. Yeah, um, last time was in uh, France. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're practically yeah, mates, yeah, but... you and Gennady, now.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're good friends with Gwaius. No, no, not really. But um, yeah, you know, he's it's, it's, it's an honour to be fighting on one of his shows, and, and also on one of Cal Brooks. He's he's also a big name too, so I'm happy
1: to be there. Yeah, of course. Now, last time we spoke, it was just before your last fight, which was, of course, your first defense of your world title. You said to me on Fight Week, Joey, all I know is this guy is Eric Morales' brother. His name's Ivan Morales. I've got no idea what he fights like. I haven't seen any clips of him whatsoever. You, of course, you know, you've done the business. You've got the job done. But this upcoming fight is the complete opposite. You've shared the ring with Stuart Hall before. You outpointed him widely over 12 rounds back in 2012. Since losing to of course he went on to win a world title and lose it that world title was the ibf belt which you now hold has hall become a better fighter in your opinion since losing to you back in 2012 um it's a hard one to
2: say i would i would my honest opinion i would say no you know um who did he fought he fought like malinga who was i think was well past it when he um fought him for the world title and it was it wasn't you know it was a great show but he didn't really do much in it it was um you know, they just stood there, punching. it. It was like two old punch bags going at it kind of thing. It was um, not not being disrespectful, but yeah, so he, he beat Malingo and that was it. And then he he never really defended the belt. He had to, he, he picked out a guy that I've knocked out and he won over a cut. And then he went down away weight and picked the guy and, and then lost it to him. So, you know, he never really defended it. So you can't really call him a, a great fighter.
1: OK. And of course, you were calling Hall out for a while when he was the world champ. As I said, he, yeah. you know, he lost the title. Now you've got it. He's now your mandatory. Was you just calling him out purely because you wanted a title shot or was it because you wanted to beat him again, belt or no belt?
2: No, I didn't need to, I didn't need to prove myself by beating him again. I, I beat him easy enough the first time. It was because he was world champion and I've been stepped over to, to get there kind of thing. And I think it was very wrong I, and I should have been given my chance then to have the shot.
1: Okay, so obviously you've got him in the ring again. So are you, you know, would you have preferred to to face someone else? I know it's a mandatory, but is this is this fight a bit like going over old ground for you, or are you just as excited yeah. as if it was anyone?
2: Just excited is a, is, a, is a big fight on a big show. Um, I would have took this if it was a voluntary. You know, I think it would have been a perfect fight if it was a voluntary. Either way, I'm happy to have it.
1: Without looking past Hall, obviously the aim is to beat him. As he's your mandatory, that gets the mandatory out of the way. Do you know what's next? Are we likely to see a unification with you and Jamie McDonald to another fight you've previously fought and beaten? Um, yeah, people have brought it up.
2: Obviously, it can look past this fight, but people have brought the fight up. But obviously, they talks of to him as well, also going up in weight. So, you know, it, 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 it's hard decisions at the moment. We're just going to get this one out of the way and then just go from there. But I'm that kind of guy. I'm always up for fighting anybody. I I, I want to fight the best, to prove the best. And, um, you know, I'm just all about showing people I'm a worthy world champion.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Now, also, last time we spoke, I asked you, how does it feel to be a part of the 11 British world champions at the time that we had? We've now got 14. Britain are really well, in do, charge yeah. right now, Lee, eh? Yeah, we are.
2: We're doing really well, you know. I'm boxing on is high at the moment and, um, you know, everybody's loving it. So we just need to keep this rolling, eh?
1: It's incredible. It is incredible. And uh, I want to get your prediction on on the main event, Golovkin against Brook. I know that, um, of course, yeah, mean, we, all, we, <laughs> we, all, we all want Kel to do the business, but it's a tough, course tough ask. Of course we do. It, it, it is a tough ask. And
2: um, if there was a surprise out there, I think Kel is the one to do it. You know, just that out of the blue kind of thing, pull off a good shot. It's quite tricky. But then I think um,
1: Triple G just... Um, a little bit too much at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I know. Again, you know. Hopefully, he can get the job done. But there's no getting away from Golovkin. He's absolutely tremendous. He really is. He is. Now, yeah, it's dangerous. He is. And now, aside from your fight, which other fight on the bill are you most looking forward to? If you actually get a chance to watch one, by the way.
2: I don't really know what fight. I haven't even looked to see what fight. I don't know who's fighting apart from myself, obviously, and um, the Brook fight um yeah. have a look but I just, just be I'm just interested in more I'm just sort of myself out and obviously the main event
1: yeah, of course. Now, that's the best way. If you're focused on your own fight, as you are, you don't even know what other fights are on the bill. But there's some good fights on the bill. The the card does yeah, feature some good fights. Yeah, yeah. There's another that's world title good. fight on the bill. It's a free. It's a free. Um, three world title fights on the bill. Of course, your that's one, good. the Brook Golovkin fight, and um, yeah, Young Charlie on, Edwards. Young Charlie Edwards is actually um, I think he's eight and zero at the moment, and he can possibly yeah. capture a world title in his ninth fight against this other guy. Um, it's down that's at that's Flyway that really. fight. Yeah, that would be be tremendous. Yeah, really, really good fight. And um, finally now, before we let you go, finally, I wanted to get your, not your prediction, I don't want to push you for a prediction, but if you've got one, please let us know. What will we see on fight night from both of you guys? What's the outcome of this fight? You know, with Hall, I think you get what you see. He fights
2: the same way in every single fight as a come-forward fighter. You know, um, I think he's going to do that. With me, you're going to see speed, dazzling power, um, it's, it's but uh, I feel like it's going to be a great night. And I, I, I'm aiming to stop within the six rounds.
1: Excellent. Okay. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Very confident. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Excellent stuff, Lee. Listen, it's a real pleasure having you back on. You're a class act. I wish you all the best for next thank Saturday. and We'll no doubt speak again soon, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 48 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A short but thorough interview with Lee Haskins there. I'd like to thank Lee Haskins for coming on this week's show. And also I'd like to thank Carlos Molina. A real in-depth interview. Very revealing as well with him. I said at the start of August that we'd aim to have at least one world champion on each week's show. Four weeks are in August. But we've surpassed that and we've brought you six weeks of shows with eight world champions the biggest thank you of all goes out to the listeners as always if you're a regular listener thank you for tuning in once again if you're a first-time listener hey i hope to see you back next week until then my friends take care